Here we are, live from the podcast nook. From the podcast nook in the corner of the house. So we are here today and we're drinking the Washington cocktail. The Washington cocktail. Uh, yeah, so what's in it? Do you want me to tell A you? A lot of booze. <laughs> A lot of booze. So it's dark rum. 1.5 ounces of dark rum, a half ounce of lemon juice, a dash of Contro, a dash of gin, a dash of orange juice, and garnish with a maraschino cherry. So the only things that are not alcohol in this drink is a dash of orange juice and a maraschino cherry. And lemon juice. Oh yeah, I forgot about the lemon juice. So let's try it. Okay. Oh, It's, it's served kind of an orangey color. It's served over the rocks. Yeah, I mean, it looks kind of... It's all right. It's a small drink. It's There's a very not a lot small drink. I was really surprised when you poured it out. We could have put it in smaller glasses. Yes, like a little rocks glass is what I would serve this in, maybe. Yeah. I taste a lot of lemon juice. It's a lot of lemon juice. It's kind of up my alley. So. So, husband and I, when we were first dating, would drink whiskey sours. And we didn't do the whiskey sours with the whiskey sour, with the sweet and sour mix. We did with the whiskey sours with whiskey, powdered sugar, and lemon juice. Which I've had your whiskey sours. They're good. They're good. They're delicious, actually. In Waterford um, Crystal glasses. At, but, in the middle of the park. <laughs> which, those are the glasses we actually should have used for this. We should have used those for this. Oh, we totally should have used those for this. We're lame. We're totally lame. Because it would look way better in this. And it would go along with Waterford more than these hand-blown Mexican glasses. Yeah. Which these... are beautiful, but... These are not the right glasses. They're not the appropriate glasses. All right. Well, we'll use the water for, for something else. But yeah, so we were in the middle of the park making whiskey sours in Waterford Crystal. It was kind of fun. But this is good. I enjoy it. I like it. I'll drink it. Yeah. No, I like it too. So Washington. Washington. Oh my gosh. So when we said Washington last week, I was like, okay, state, person, D.C., what do we do? I what did you do? had a list like 25 miles long yeah. about things I couldn't come up with for true crime related to Washington. Yeah. There was so many. So what I did is did a billions and billions and billions of hours of research. <laughs> Not really. But I came to the conclusion that I I'm ha- glad you actually researched this time instead of just watched a forensic file. I didn't watch a forensic file. There was no forensic files on this. On Washington? Oh, that's crazy. Not on this topic. But the reason why I chose this topic, it has a double Washington connection. Because the crime, the majority of the crimes took place in Washington, Uh D.C. But prior to those events, there was the first major event took place in Washington State. Oh, wow. Well, then yours can kind of be my, your double Washington connection can be my Washington connection. Because mine takes place in what becomes Washington? that works it's related (laughs) it's related so i'm gonna tell you about the dc snipers oh my gosh i remember this i remember this too i remember this um so john allen muhammad was born in 1960 and he was originally born as john allen williams he joined the nation of islam in 1987 and that's when he changed his name to muhammad in 1999 he kidnapped his three of his children and he brought them to Antigua to conceal them from his ex-wife. Ugh, I, I, that's so cruel when parents do that. Yeah. So he's already like a pretty piece of crap kind of person. It was in Antigua where he met 17 year old Lee Boyd Malvo and his mother. They were of Jamaican descendant, descendant, descent, descent. Yes. And so now he's preying on a kid who has no father figure. A kid, the kid that has no father figure and barely any mother figure. Yeah. Oh. So she agrees to let Muhammad take care of of Malvo. Oh, here, take my child. Pretty much. And like, I'll be back at some point. Ugh. So Malvo and Muhammad left Antigua. It was said like Muhammad basically smuggled him illegally into Miami. So oh, wow. in 2001, they went to Miami. Where are his three children? Because I would imagine if you brought him back to the United States that they could be found. They were eventually found. I don't have the whole story on that, but they were eventually found and returned to the mother. Well, that's good. So I think it was before 2001, though. Um, Malva's mom followed them to Miami, and the three of them eventually traveled to Washington State. 
Uh, Malvo and his mother were both apprehended by Border Patrol in Bellingham, Washington. She was deported back to Jamaica, and he was released to Muhammad on bond. Whoa, why wasn't he sent back? Um, I was wondering that, too. The only thing I can think of is he had maybe just turned 18 about that time. But then you don't give them to his mother. You give them to him to this guy. Yeah. And also they did have forged documents. Muhammad and Malvo had forged documents. So maybe they didn't catch it at the time that he oh, was... Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Not related. Yeah. So for a while, Malvo and Muhammad lived in a homeless shelter in Bellingham, Washington. While there, Malvo enrolled in Bellingham High School and he listed Muhammad as his father. Wow. Yeah, so they tried to kind of have a life at some point but apparently during this time muhammad was really laying on the brainwashing like intentional or not i'm not sure but uh pretty much provided the only like discipline and stability that malvo had ever had Uh so i know why the brainwashing worked but had some pretty radical ideas and what were his what was he brainwashing him to believe um just like a lot of military militarization and they did a lot of like target shooting and military practice and deprivation um like he would tie malvo up to a tree and deprive him of like food and stuff like that and then eventually come back and get him because what does that teach you it was supposed to be a a discipline thing but it's just you know straight up not cool but so yeah he went he was in high school apparently he didn't have any friends while he was there so on february 16th, 2002, 21-year-old Kenya Cook was shot and killed by Malvo at her aunt's home in Tacoma, Washington. Why? So apparently Cook's aunt was good friends with Muhammad's wife, and she's the one that had encouraged her to seek a divorce. So for sure it was a revenge thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So after the murder in 2002, or after the murder... Muhammad and Malvo left and went across the country and pretty much just started shooting innocent people all along the way. Yeah. So in on March 19, 2002, Jerry Taylor was killed by a single shot to the chest at a Tucson area golf course. The golf course, they found out later, was near Muhammad's aunt's house where Muhammad and Malvo were visiting. Wow. So he's just out playing golf. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Then August 1, 2002... John Gaeta was shot in the neck while changing a tire in a parking lot in Hammond, Louisiana. Okay, now, aren't these, if I remember correctly, I mean, I'm probably stealing your thunder here. Aren't these being done with, like, long-range sniper-type rifles? Um, so they didn't know at the time what the gun was until a little bit later. But I do have that information. I'll talk about it. Okay. But I'm just thinking, so you just picture a guy, he's just in a parking lot changing his tire, as you do if you have a flat tire in a parking lot just and bam, then bam bullet through your neck dead. yep pretty much how it's happened that's crazy so the john gaeta after being shot pretended to be dead while malvo came up to him and stole his wallet oh wow um, gaeta stole stuff yeah gaeta was treated at the hospital and then released and in 2010 after the whole thing had concluded he received an apology letter from malvo <laughs> Which I'm I, sorry I shot you in the neck. I would like to see this apology letter. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say to a person who you've shot in the neck and then robbed their dead corp body? Well, their live body. But, but he thought yeah, he was dead? he thought he was dead. That's what I mean. I want to see what this says. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> My bad! My bad! So then in September, a month later, <laughs> 2002, in Clinton, Maryland... Paul LaRuffa was shot six times at close range, which differs from a lot of the attacks. Yeah. Um, LaRuffa also survived the shooting, and they know this was linked because his laptop computer was found in the car when Muhammad and Malvo were finally arrested. September 21st in Atlanta, Georgia, Million Woldemarian was fatally shot in the head outside a store. And on the same day, 19 hours later, in Montgomery, Alabama, Claudine Parker was shot and killed, and her co-worker, Kelly Adams, was critically injured during a robbery that was linked to Muhammad and Malvo. See, I didn't realize that they do, did any kind of close-range shooting or any kind of robbing. I didn't know they robbed the bodies or robbed people at all, so this is interesting. I know. I didn't really know that either, and when I found the first 
murder, the Washington, the Revenge Tacoma killing. Washington uh-huh. one, I was like, okay, well, we might have something actually interesting here because I'm not really that interested in the story. No, well, yeah, they just randomly picked people and shot them. Mm-hmm. So then September 23rd, Hong Ballinger was shot and killed in Baton Rouge, and that was later linked to Muhammad and Malvo. So those are all the pre-DC area shootings okay. that they for sure can link him to, link them to. But, I mean, supposing that there could be more. And we probably didn't hear about those because they, they're not really the same MO as what they did in DC. Right. I mean, they were able to link some of them because of property of admissions by malvo mostly and then also by forensics like with the firearms and that oh kind so of thing. they could have done more as they went along it's possible and what year was this 2002 oh, okay so the next section i'm going to talk about is basically this all happened within 22 days crazy so october 2nd i remember it seemed like yeah. it went on forever so like to me i was thinking it was less like a matter of like four to five days oh really see yeah. to me it seemed like they were terrorizing the area for months um and they almost were it was almost a month okay so october 2nd 2002 uh-huh. a shot was fired into the window of a michael store in aspen hill and it narrowly missed hitting a cashier oh my goodness i love michael's yeah well michael's wasn't safe michael's was not safe so an hour after the shot fire fired into the michael store James Martin was shot and killed in a parking lot of a shopper's food warehouse further, like, just a little bit away. Wow. Then on October 3rd... An hour cooling off period. Yeah, an hour cooling off period. Wait till you hear this, though. So October 3rd, four people were shot dead in the span of two hours, and one more was killed that evening. So here's October 3rd for you. Wow. 7.41 a.m., James Buchanan was shot while mowing grass at Fitzgerald Auto Mall. He was a landscaper. 8.12 a.m., a taxi driver, Prem Kumar Walakar, was killed while pumping gas at a mobile station. 8.37 a.m., Sarah Ramos was sitting on a bench reading a book near a shopping center. She was shot and killed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 9.58 a.m., Lori Ann Lewis Rivera was killed while vacuuming her minivan at a shell station. And then, almost 12 hours later... All things that we do. Yeah, normal, everyday things. That's just like an hour and a half. Normal, everyday people. Doing what you do. When was the last time you got gas? Uh, Yesterday. So, yeah. Yeah, and I went to the car wash yesterday, and I... Oh my gosh. So, almost 12 hours later, at 9.20 p.m., Pascal Charlot was killed while walking on Georgia Avenue in, in downtown D.C., just walking down the street. Just walking down the street. Well, that's just like we were talking earlier about, you know, we put all of our faith in, like, rubber. If the rubber in our tires fails, and we have all of this faith in just this tiny little thing, and yeah. we, d- we don't know that there's not a sniper ringing in the hills, waiting no, in the hills. We ha- there's no way to know that. So each time that a victim was killed, it was by a single bullet fired from a distance. Where did he learn how to do that? That's all, not... It's all the shooting that they did, like... All, so he's self-taught. Yes. Well, he, Muhammad was in the military. Oh, okay. And Muhammad taught he Malvo. Taught yes. Chief of police for Montgomery County, Maryland, which is where the first attacks were taking place, Charles Moose, he became the spokesperson, like, for the media, and he gave most of the press conferences and talked about the rash of shootings. And he did give a press conference where he informed parents that schools would be on code blue alert, which basically meant like all day lockdown. They couldn't go outside for any reason. Yeah. yeah. I, even as a educator, I would, yeah, I'm good with that. Because it's not fun to keep kids inside. It's not. But it, also initial eyewitness reports were that a white box trailer or a white box truck was linked to the shootings. Later, though, witnesses began telling police that they had seen a blue Chevy Caprice instead. So at the initial part of this, everybody's looking for a white box truck. Yeah. And they were pulling over, like, any white van, any, like, white box truck. Yeah. And nothing was panning out because they were initially looking for the wrong kind of vehicle. Looking for the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. On October 4th, Caroline Sewell was shot and wounded in the parking lot of another Michael store. 
She survived. What does he got against Michaels? Apparently, he's not a crafter. I guess. Everybody should be a crafter. And then, October 17th, 13-year-old Iran Brown was shot and critically wounded in front of his middle school. Now they're going for kids. Yeah. He was rushed to the hospital and survived. He was able to testify in Muhammad's trial. And at this crime scene, a shell casing was located, and they also found a tarot card, which was the death card, and that's one of the things in the press that went pretty big because it's creepy. Yes, that's very creepy. So the front of the card said, in quotes, call me God, and the back of the card said, for you, Mr. Police, code, colon, call me God, do not release to press. But it okay, released. so he wrote that on the card? Yeah, the, the, that was actually written on the card. Wow. So then, a couple days later, October 9th, Dean Myers sh- was shot and killed while pumping gas at a Sunoco gas station. Then on the 11th, Kenneth Bridges was shot at an Exxon station. Oh my goodness. What do they got against gas stations? Well, they don't have anything against gas stations. It, yeah. Well, they will come it's to find out. It's just the easiest place to it get was people. all about convenience. So, October 14th. But can you imagine, what if they hit a pump? I don't think that's, like, a real thing. You don't think that's a no, real thing? No, I think that's Mythbusters like a myth. TV show yeah. thing? Okay. Yeah. I can see me being wrong about that. Yeah, Mythbusters, I think, busted that. I could be wrong about that, though. Children, did Mythbusters bust that? I don't know. You guys watched it all the time. We didn't get to watch all of it because it got canceled. Oh. So, October 14th, Linda Franklin was shot and killed in the parking lot of a Home Depot. Um, After this period of time is when gas stations began putting up tarps to protect customers. Oh, what a good idea. Kind of to shield them from view. Yeah. And I don't know if it worked. Maybe it did. Nobody else was shot through tarps. Yeah. That's a good idea. If you can't see them, you can't shoot them. Yeah. So then, five days later, on October 19th, Jeffrey Hopper was shot at a Ponderosa Steakhouse parking lot. He survived, and police later found a four-page letter in the woods near the Ponderosa Steakhouse that demanded $10 million and made more threats to children. Oh, my goodness. All these people in there writing their letters. Read my letter. Yeah. October 22nd, Conrad Johnson, who was a bus driver, was shot on the steps of his bus, and he later died. So then Chief Moose reappears. He released part of the letter that I just mentioned, which declared, in quotes, your children are not safe anywhere at any time. The investigation was publicly headed by Chief Moose. Uh, He was the one always giving the press conferences, always taking the questions. He was from Montgomery County Police, but there were also numerous other agencies involved, including ATF, FBI, Secret Service, Virginia Department of Transportation, and many other local police departments. So they were on high alert. Yeah, because, I mean, he's crossing over multiple jurisdictions. Yeah. Sorry about Big Dog wandering around with his toenails. Hmm. Uh, right away after the, the October 2nd and October 3rd shootings, they were able to forensically link all of those shootings to the same gun. So th- oh, wow. they right away knew they were all related. Yeah. And then on October 17th, Malvo's fingerprints were found at the middle school, and after research, doing some research on Malvo, they found that he was tied to Muhammad. How did he get that close to leave his fingerprints somewhere? I mean, what did they, what did they touch? Did it say? It didn't say. Interesting. Because they're typically far away. They're, yeah, and so I'm not sure. Like, obviously they were in the woods at that point because they left that tarot card, so yeah. I'm not, he must have touched something in that area. Wow. The citizens were getting upset because it appeared that there wasn't really any progress on the case, but the feds were making a lot of headway. People keep dropping dead. People, yeah, continually. Um, They had learned that Muhammad's ex-girlfriend, who lived in the area, had obtained a protection order against Muhammad. And she lived in the area where the very first D.C. area attack occurred. Oh, that's not telling or interesting or anything. They also developed information about the vehicle, the Caprice, that was purchased by Muhammad in New Jersey. So they had the tag number. Uh-huh. They were New Jersey plates, and they had been issued to Muhammad. And after checking on those plates, it turns out that 
they had been run by several patrol officers on a few different occasions near shooting locations in multiple states. So at the time, they weren't able to put it together. So a lot of different agencies were, had like... Encountered that vehicle. Yeah. But the way that it works is they're not, it's not, they don't share the data. It doesn't automatically become... Well, because you can't. You would be overrun with data if Mm -hmm. you did that. But it's, it's, I love how we're getting better and better at that. We are, but in this case, this is not, like, they went back and found that all these things had been done. It didn't get linked at the time. And so all this time when they had been looking for a white box truck, they should have been looking for the Caprice. And on October 3rd, the Caprice was stopped for a traffic infraction just hours prior to the shooting of Pascal Charlot. And it was the October 3rd shooting that eyewitnesses first reported seeing a Caprice. So then October 8th, we're going back to October 8th, Baltimore police investigated the blue Caprice. There was a person sleeping inside and the officers did think it was suspicious that the plate was from New Jersey, but the driver's license was from Washington state. Uh They didn't search the vehicle, nor did they question the driver, even though the description of the Caprice had come out several days earlier. So they might not have even known that. I don't know, because it happened in two different jurisdictions. Exactly. So they may not have gotten the information, but you know, there's how many blue Caprices are out there in 2002. Right. I don't know. You can't, well, I, I had a coworker that drove a blue Caprice, but I'm trying to remember that was in the 90s. Yeah. But it just seems like you can't violate, or not violate, strike that out. You can't search every blue Caprice that you see because that's not well, legal. That's not constitutional. Just no. because it's a blue Caprice doesn't mean anything. It so. doesn't mean anything. And then finally, October 24th at 3.15 a.m., Muhammad and Malvo were found sleeping in the Caprice at a rest stop in Myersville, Maryland. And they were, right away, they were arrested on weapons charges because they did locate the weapon and a um, tripod or a bipod that was used to for the sniper attacks. Oh, okay. Um, ballistics tests linked the Bushmaster 223, which was the gun that was recovered, which is like a deer I've rifle. I've never heard of that gun. I have. It's like I've it, never heard of a Bushmaster. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, 223 is pretty much like a long range rifle. Long range rifle. Yeah. It was seized from the vehicle, and then it was linked to 11 of the 14 shootings for sure. Wow. And why couldn't they link it to the other three? They just might not have had a good case, bullet. Yeah. The trunk of the Caprice had been modified as a quote unquote rolling sniper's nest. So the sniper could lay in the trunk and take shots from a small hole that was cut near the license plate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember that so part. So if you look out, you're not even going to see a guy crouching somewhere. There's just a car. There's nothing to see other than a car. Wow. So finally, when it all came down to motive, the suggested motive was that Muhammad fully intended to later kill his wife, Mildred, or his ex-wife, who, as I previously mentioned, lived near the area of the attacks. Uh Um, But he did all of these other things, or orchestrated all of these other killings to make sure it didn't look like he was the prime suspect in his ex-wife's killing. Right. So she's just one of these many, many, many victims. Yeah. So he killed 14 other people, or 13 other people. Yeah, in an effort to conceal that he was going to kill his ex-wife. Um, He was actually sentenced to death. Well, they both were originally sentenced to death. Muhammad was executed. And Malvo, because he was a juvenile and all this constitutional stuff happened, had to be resentenced because it was no longer constitutional to sentence a juvenile to death. Oh, that I didn't realize. I didn't even realize that. It's really long and really involved. It affected a lot of cases. Interesting. Yeah. And so I'm not sure what his final sentence was, but not death. I mean, you can debate as a 17-year-old juvenile. I mean, that's a huge debate, but interesting. I hadn't even heard anything about that. Yeah. Okay, that happening. Huh. Exciting. I remember that. I know. I've, like, like I said, there were so many other choices I could have gone 
No, I like that one. Because, I mean, there's Ted Bundy. He's Washington. Uh There's Green River Killer. There's D.C. Cooper or D.B. Cooper. Uh There's, I even thought about doing the assassination of President Garfield because that happened in D.C. So Watergate, like there was just so much. Chandra Levy. Oh, my gosh. I remember that, too. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to do them all and I couldn't settle. Well, I didn't want to do D.B. Cooper because I don't like that story. Everybody's done David yeah. Cooper. Interesting. Interesting. Well, there's lots to choose. We'll have to... I like this cocktail. We could do it again. We could do it again. So I really went back and forth between, you know, do I do... I thought about doing how did George Washington die, just information about George Washington. Um, I thought about doing D.C. and how it was built and Thomas Jefferson and the whole thing. But recently children and I went on a trip to Walla Walla and while we were in Walla Walla we went to the Whitman Mission mm. yeah I remember you telling me about this okay but... it was really cool yeah so we're at so I decided to do the um, Whitman Massacre and the Whitman Mission so but when we were there we actually there's an area in the mission where there is ruts from the Oregon Trail I have a picture of myself laying in a rut from the Oregon Trail. Oh, that's funny. We didn't even think to take pictures of you guys laying in the ruts. They have an old wagon on part of the trail, so I took pictures of them sitting in the wagon with their heads out and blah, blah, blah. But it was just really neat to stand there on this dirt and think, wow, this was made, you know, hundreds of years ago, Mm -hmm. or not hundreds, but a hundred years ago, with these people coming out west to start their life. Over a hundred years ago. Over a hundred years ago, yes, darling. So... Whitman's. Marcus Whitman was born on September 4th, 1802 in Federal Hall in New York. And his father was Beza, died when he was seven. Beza. Beza. Mm. And his mom decided, oh, you need to go live with your uncle. So he's seven. So he also got abandoned by his mom. Yeah. Seven. Dad dies. Mom says, let me ship you off to your uncle. So... Marcus, in living with his uncle, has decided he wants to become a minister. But he doesn't... This... He doesn't have any money to go to school. So he goes back to New York, and he doesn't have money to go to school to become a minister. Just keep that in your brain. Okay. He goes back to New York, and he apprentices with a doctor. And because he's apprenticed with this doctor, he gets his physician's license degree from Fairfield Medical College. He doesn't have enough money to go to school to become a minister. But he can be a doctor. But he can apprentice with a guy for a couple of years and become a doctor. <laughs> right? But, I mean, old-time economics, <laughs> I guess. Old-time economics. So, he practiced medicine in Canada for a few years, but he really still really wants to go out west. So, in 1835, he gets his wish, and he... Um, Goes out to Montana with Sam Parker, who is a missionary and a minister, to the, I find this term just horribly offensive because I'm reading Earth's Children um, book series, but to the Flatheads (sighs) and the Nez Pierce. Well, that was an actual, like, we put the name on them, tribal name. Yes, it was, but it's just horrible. The Flatheads, anyway... So he's, he goes out there and he's dealing with the flatheads and the Nez Pierce and he's treating fur trappers and other people for cholera, etc. So meanwhile, back at the farm, in another part of New York, Narcissa Prentice was born in Prattsburg, New York, to Judge Stephen and Clarissa Prentice on March 14th, 1808. And she is a very accomplished young lady. She um, is a physics and a chemistry teacher. I didn't realize that women could be physics and chemistry teachers, but apparently she was. She was the third child and the first girl. She gets very caught up in the Great Awakening and decides she wants to be a missionary as well. So she goes to the American Board of Commissions of for foreign missionaries and she says i want to go out west and be a missionary and they said but But you're you're not married yes you're a girl we can't send you so right before his trip west marcus actually stayed for a while with the prentices um that was kind of 
what she did you kind of went around to, to gather support and money and whatnot and so he's staying with the princes in his home and he's getting ready to go on his mission trip and narcissa says oh i want to become a missionary too but alas i want to mission to the indians but alas i have a vagina and no wedding ring i'm not married <gasps> and he says i can fix that so they got married. At least married. the married part. Right, the married part. So they get married in 18. Well, he was a doctor, so he could also maybe fix the vagina part, but. <laughs> well, I think she still wants to keep her vagina. She just doesn't want it to keep her from doing things, which so many stories from history, that pesky old vagina keeps people from accomplishing many, many things. So anyway. Shortly after they get ma they marry in 1836 and they marry in 1836 and shortly after their marriage they set out west because she can go now. It's kind of like their honeymoon. It's kind of like their honeymoon. I'm not sure that I would want this honeymoon. But on May 25th, 1836, the Whitmans and Henry and Eliza Spaulding and several other fur traders and trappers set out on the Oregon Trail for places out west. Narcissa and Eliza become the first white women to cross the Rocky Mountains. And they also become the first to travel the Oregon Trail on foot. Ooh. Yeah. And it, I just can't... Having traveled over mountains to get to Reno and whatnot, I cannot imagine walking that. I know. Or going with the wagon and animals. Like, every time and we... kids. Every time we crossed Donner Summit, I'm like, this was... They How were, did they do this? They weren't in a car. No, they were not in a car. They on did not travel through it at paved, 70 miles an hour. On a paved interstate highway. <laughs> when there's snow outside the window, they were walking through it. Just seems brave and scary. Yeah, and rigorous. like Hard work. But we're here because they did that. But so anyway, um, as they're traveling through, Narcissa kept a very detailed log and journal entry of the journey and her life and it's very interesting to go back and look at those i don't have a lot of quotes from it but you can look it up it's it's interesting so the group eventually settles in what is today walla walla washington it is along the convergence of the columbia and the walla walla river when we were driving up there we drove quite a ways along the columbia river and the columbia river is huge it's massive it's gorgeous yeah so the Cayuse Indians already lived in the area and they called it Walilatpo. And it means place of the rye grass. So the Whitmans decide to settle there and they set up a school, a farm, a hospital, and a church. And they are ministering to the Cayuse and the Nez Pierce. And um, they, they're really trying to get them to come and be a part of the community, but they're having a lot of trouble. Um, they're just not wanting to to come so not as many as they hoped anyway so on march 14 1837 the whitmans have their only child and i remember when we were there at the place the they mentioned that the native people that lived there referred to the child as their baby because she was the first anglo-american baby born in the oregon country the oregon territory also too wasn't march 14th the same birthday as narcissa Oh, I don't know. Let's go back. Meanwhile, in Princess New York. Yeah, she was born on March 14th. Oh, that's so funny. So she had her daughter on her birthday. So um, she's the first baby born, the first Anglo-American baby born in the Oregon country. And the, the Nez Pierce and the Cayuse kind of call her our baby because she was born here. That's so sweet. It is sweet. And then um, it was so sweet that mom paid so much attention to her and all the other people i don't i don't know i'm passing judgment on this because i was actually there and saw the thing but the kid drowned in the river at two and apparently the indians had to go in with her lifeless body and and show her mother like, like inside the building and show her mother here's your dead baby I, I don't know i don't how close were they to the river the house was pretty far away Oh, so it was just like, when you're two, go outside and play. That's, I don't know. I mean, it was just, was because they had at the mission, what was it? She was trying to get water from the river. But she's two. But she's two. She's she should And tried to get water from the river. But, and she fell Also, she's two. See, children paid more attention than mm -hmm. I did. But yeah, she's also, she's two. So I don't know that. I mean, not that I watched my children every second of the day, but I can't imagine that 
they could sneak out of my house to go down to the river to pray. No, to go down to the river to get water because it was pretty far away. I mean, I would, I would hope I would notice. I don't know. Anyway, so poor little baby dies. And Narcissa is just devastated. And she, um, her health begins to decline. And she actually loses, for some reason, some health problem, which it, I never found. Didn't say what her health problem was, but she goes almost blind. A lot of the problems that they had with the natives, I mean, we'll see where they stem from health problems but besides that there was just it was cultural misunderstandings the the indians kind of had a open door policy and what's yours is mine is what's mine is yours and i give you gifts and you give me gifts well narcissa and marcus thought of this as extortion they thought that these these people were demanding things from them well no it's just their culture yeah they didn't have a concept of ownership well they kind of did ish but they give gifts and you give gifts and she would come into her kitchen sometimes and find four or five Indian people just sitting there and they would expect to be fed. And this would just make her so angry because here she, she called them dirty. She actually like, a, one of the biographers described her description of them with, with, with contempt, that she just was very contemptible of them. Um, they wanted to... It was just a different clash in cultures. They didn't understand. Um, and the, the Whitmans would not compromise at all. When they were building, they actually said to the Indians, um, can you build a place for you to worship? And the Indians came and they were like, well, this is fine. There's, you know, places for us to sit down. We'll just worship here with you. And the Whitmans said, they, where's my quote? There's my quote. Um, we could not have them worshiping there, for they would make it so dirty and so full of flies that we could not live in it. So dirty and so full of flies. Yes. So this is, they came here to mission to the to the Indians. They want them to but worship their God. they want mission with them in the same room. Correct. Yeah. I they, think you're doing your job wrong. I think they're doing their job wrong. Yeah. And they would not, they didn't understand, Narcissa and Marcus didn't understand that you could, you could worship God or whatever God that the Indians are, are worshiping in your home. It had to be done in church. So you needed a separate building. And this caused all kinds of conflicts and there was just all kinds of problems. In fact, you were talking about the, the ownership thing. So the land and the trees were, quote unquote, owned by Umpati, who was the chief. And he comes several times to Marcus and says, hey, you're building on my land. You're going to pay me? You're cutting down my trees. You're going to pay me? And Marcus would say, well, no, you gave me this land so that I could set up a mission to serve your people. And he would say, no. I need something in return for what I've given you. And it went back and forth. So that caused all kinds of problems because the mission kept consuming the resources without replenishing the resources or giving or any kind of compensation for the resources. Yeah. So they're trying. They're trying. They're not doing great, but they're plugging along. Eventually, the, the Indians just stopped coming. So the American Missionary Board says, we're going to shut you down. We're going to transfer you somewhere else. It's over. And Marcus just does not take that for an answer. So he actually goes out west in the, or back east. So he's like the densest person ever. He does Pretty not. Much. He does what he wants and does not get any other context. Yes. So the Indians are not interested in learning his religion. The missionary board is not interested in continuing to finance a failing prospect and he says i think no, we all know someone this like work. this yeah so he goes back east in the middle of winter he crosses those same rockies that we were talking about in the middle of the winter because he has to get back east to convince them that they're wrong so he convinces them to give him about six more months well on his way back he runs into the first part of the um great migration and he's like come to my place it's right along the way you can hang out you can get food and we can take care of you aka not my place no not his place 
the place that he built on these other people's land with these other people's resources. That they're not happy about, but he doesn't care because he doesn't, he doesn't get any type of right. nuance. No, oh my gosh, no nuance at all. It, I, like, it gets even worse later. Now that I know what kind of person he is, and I'm already thinking of people that I know that are like him, I do not like him at all. Okay, well, it goes along even further. So he decides, he says, come here. So pretty soon, this quiet little idyllic just ranch area where the there's the few white settlers that are kind of taking care of their own and you know babies are drowning in the river and the indians are whatever they're doing eating breakfast invaded it becomes the rest stop for the oregon trail oh like and i don't remember if you guys remember but they they had a um they had all these boards set up along the way as we walked around the perimeter and one of the boards showed um it had little red dots for the amount of people that were coming in any given year and for about five years there was just massive amounts of people i mean like five thousand people just descending on this tiny little area all at once that's crazy it was insane and the whitmans because their only child had died they're taking an orphan so they're getting permanent residence and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and people are coming and so it became this kind of juggernaut well what do white people bring with them when they come cholera cholera all kinds of other things smallpox measles blah blah, blah. so all these diseases so pretty much whitman mission becomes the hospital by 1845, the mission is sort of bypassed. They've got a faster route. So the only people that are coming to the mission are coming for the hospital. So it slowed down. It was so only basically super busy. If along the route, if someone gets one of these diseases and needs to go to hospital. Yep, you take a detour. Convenient. Yeah. So it kind of died down from the mass amount of people. I mean, they ha- it was like a little city. It was like a little city. So when you went around, you could see all the different little buildings, shells from where they were. And it it was a little city. But eventually it just became a hospital. And they would just go there if they were sick. So, 1847. This little wagon comes along and they have the measles. Oh. Yes. So another, I, I alluded earlier to another difference between the caillou culture and western culture in caillou culture the medicine man is personally responsible for his patient's health see i like that like that to me is so much better than any type of medicine that we have now well you're you better friggin do a good job yeah it's 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 accountability to the highest level so the medicine man is personally responsible in their culture and this little wagon train comes along and it's got measles so in 1847 there's a massive measles outbreak it strikes the whites and the indians alike i mean everybody's getting sick but what happens you get the measles and you get the measles and you get the measles <laughs> yes 100 people are handing out measles left and right but what happens, and nobody understands why, because hello germ theory and immunizations, white people are for the most part recovering. So from that's funny cells. that you just brought up germ theory because that was a big part of my research when I did, when I thought about doing the Garfield assassination. Oh, because that was in 1888. Uh huh. So, and he died from infection. I'm assuming. I did a higher level college paper on the germ theory of disease. So I'm kind of- Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, on Louis Pasteur. So you're kind of an expert I'm kind of an expert. (laughs) I want to be an expert on as many things as you're an expert on. I'm kind of an expert (laughs) on several things. (laughs) Well, as our favorite radio host would say, I almost went to law school. (laughs) So- I went to three quarters of a year of law school, truthfully. You honestly have been to more law school than I have. Even though I have an AA in law enforcement and paralegal, you know, completely useless degrees. But anyway. Yes. So, medicine man, personally responsible for the sick people. And what's happening is the white people are 
They're, there's white people dying. Don't get me wrong. There right. are white people dying. But, but they're able to recover. But they have somewhat of an immune system to this particular disease. Well, the Native Americans in Washington have not had the measles. Well, and so no. they die. The Cayuse lost all of their children. Like, you know, Pied Piper leading all of the children from the, vi- from the village away. Every child dead. Talk about terrifying. I I cannot even imagine having that happen in your in your town. Well, your and community. they didn't have the context that we do now to isolate the people and like quarantine them. You know? No, no. So your baby's sick. You're gonna go hang out. You're gonna bring your toddler. You're gonna bring your infant. And we're all huddling here next to the eight year old's bed. Then pretty soon, all three of you are yeah. never dead. It's just it's devastating. I can't even. I mean, I can't even imagine. But so he's he's doing the best he can, but it's it happens. Well, so obviously the natives go back and they discuss this and they're like, he's a bad medicine man. That's their only that's the only way they could have thought about it because based on their whole entire life experience. Their entire culture, their entire system of law. I mean, they even reference later on there's a trial, um, and they reference in the trial that Cayuse tribal law is that the medicine man is responsible if he gives bad medicine. Oh, that's... So he needs to die. I mean, that's the... It's it's their law. It's so devastating. Yeah. So on November 29th, after much, much, much debate, November 29th, several men come down to the mission and they pound on the door and they're demanding medicine. Give, we need medicine. We need help. Blah, blah, blah. So Marcus opens the door he talks to the men and he says oh okay you need medicine i'll go get you the medicine turns around and go get the medicine while he is distracted he is struck two times in the head and once in the neck with a hatchet so then they've struck him with the hatchet in the head and they leave him and they rush outside and they start killing every man and boy that they see that's working along the farm oh my god they're just gutting them down, hatching so them the, down, destroying like, them. Like, the measles killed all these people, but, like, let's also kill all the people that are, quote-unquote, healthy. Right. Yes. Literally. So, Marcissa rushes to the side of Marcus, and he's still alive. He's fatally wounded. Um, there's a couple of eyewitness accounts that say he is so... His features, his face, are so devastated by the hatchet blows that he's unrecognizable as a human i bet but he is still responding to his wife so narcissa is kneeling down next to him and saying it'll be okay you know it'll be okay blah 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 and he's like responding to her physically how while his head is a pile of mush i how though I don't know. I don't know. And that's what blows me away about this whole thing is this didn't happen in black and white. This didn't happen in in sepia tones. This was an actual woman kneeling next to her actual husband whose head is a mass of brains and blood and bone. And he's still alive and responding to her. That's, I don't even have words for that. Insane. So he... She gets up at one point and goes to the door and she is shocked. She goes back to her husband and is kneeling next to him with a bullet wound. And for some reason, she is coaxed out of the mission because she had died outside. So in at the mission, they have the outlines of all of the buildings. Y'all can't see this, but I'm really like talking to... She's spreading her arms out her very hands. wide. <laughs> like, I'm pointing out how these buildings are like shaped and this and that. So they have all of these cement barrier, like cement curbs, curbs, they're curbs, to show the outlines of the buildings. And then they have a diagram as to the buildings and what they were. And, you know, this was the grain storage and this was the church and this was the school and this was the kitchen and blah, blah. And then it shows where each person died. So Marcus died kind of in the kitchen area and then Narcissa died outside. So she was, so then as I'm reading this, I understand why. Because I'm like, why was she out here and not next to him? So she was next to him and then she got up and went to the door. They shot her. She went back to him even after being shot and they somehow convinced her to come outside. 
I don't know what would get me to leave my safety of my home next to my dying husband while I'm shot, while there's people being hatcheted to death outside. A free Michael Kors bag. I would probably maybe go for that. <laughs> I don't know. I would try. I would try. But so she goes outside and she's just like, you know, every movie image just volleyed with bullets. Just they're hitting her oh. from every direction as soon as she walks out the door. Oh my gosh. Just it, it literally every resource that I sound said she was killed in a volley of bullets. Like you can just picture that. Yeah. This woman in these old pioneer clothes. And just she's blind. Rat-a-tat-tat. Like, oh, I forgot she was blind. She's blind. She's blind? Yeah. She's blind. <laughs> and just being, just dying in a hail of gunfire. So they, 13 people were killed in the massacre. Peter Hall was a carpenter working. He managed to escape. Oh my gosh, this is so sad. So he rides as fast as he can to Fort Walla Walla. He tells them what's happening at at Fort Walla Walla and raises the alarm to get people to come. And then he he rides to Fort Vancouver to get more help. He never arrives in Fort Vancouver. They think that he possibly drowned in the Columbia River. And then on top of that, so apparently this was like a big debate. This was a big question as to whether we were going to do this. Are we really going to go kill these people? They've been kind of kind to us. They've been kind of rude to us. What are we going to do? And there was a chief named Beardy who was opposed to the massacre. He did not want them to do it. And he was found riding his horse towards the mission crying. Oh, as as the problem was going on so it like as help was coming they find this man um like he was trying to stop it well he couldn't stop it in the council and then he tried to stop it physically and he couldn't do it he just knew it had gone too far too far yeah so they kill 13 people they capture 54 women and children and they take them back for ransom and who's gonna pay the ransom though well a lot of them died in captivity. In the end, there was only um, 49 living people. So they took 54 and 49 were returned. Eliza Spaulding. Remember the Spaldings way back from yeah, the from, beginning? from the trail. So Eliza Spaulding's father was a big muckety-muck at the Hudson Bay Company. And so the Hudson Bay Company gives the Cayuse 62 blankets, 63 cotton shirts, 12 rifles, 600 loads of ammo, which I'm assuming is like a round... Which doesn't seem like that much. Um, seven pounds of tobacco, 12 flints for the 49 living prisoners. They never, this is philanthropy. The Hudson Bay Company never asked the government for repayment. They never asked the people for repayment that they recovered. They never asked the missionary fund for repayment. They just gave the items and got the people. Well, the people were the most important thing. The people so. were the most important thing. But so and the Hudson Bay hear, Company, like they Oh, they have money. They, they got their stuff. It. They can absolutely afford it. But it just it struck me as very um like I liked it that they didn't say, Hey, now you need to pay this back. We paid for your ransom, now you pay us back. I just liked that. So as they go along, they're still, you know, because the, the settlers are going to retaliate for this, and then the Cayuse are going to retaliate for that, and back and forth and back and forth. And it's eventually called the Cayuse War. Um, some years later, the new governor, who is General Mitchell Lambertson, is sick of it. And he says, nope, I demand, we need retribution, we need um, justice, you need to turn over the people that were responsible for the massacre. So the head chief says... No, this was this was just a cultural misunderstanding. This was a mistake. We in our culture, if you kill if you give bad medicine, you you can kill the person. This bad was just bad medicine. <laughs> <laughs> this was just the way our culture practices. And the the Lambertson says, No, nope, I don't care. And the the Cayuse actually said too. All of this violence that has happened since then, we Cayuse have lost more people than you white people. You have, not even counting the sickness, the retaliation on us after the massacre and our retaliation on you and your retaliation on us, the Cayuse have lost more lives than the white people. Isn't that punishment enough besides the fact of our culture, bad medicine? 
aren't we done? On one hand, I do agree with that. But on the other hand, it's not an excuse for no. massacring people. Yes, like, intentionally still, massacring. And the Marcus Whitman was getting them medicine when they hatcheted him in the face. But also, I don't like him, so... I don't like him either. And I don't like Narcissa, because she was... Narcissistic. She was narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, she was me. I don't know if she was narcissistic. She kind of seemed like to, it. According to accounts, she was mean and cruel to the natives. But then, on the other hand, as a mother, if my only child had drowned, and I don't know, was she was the baby was Alice in the care of the native women when she drowned? I would. Whether or not it was anyone's fault, I would be angry and pissed off and bitter and nasty and mean. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you cannot discount her grief. Right. And I would just be, but I would be angry and bitter at my husband. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. But anyway, so they, that's what their response was. And the governor said, I don't care. We need, we are as a country of laws. We need these people. So eventually tribal leaders, I'm going to butcher this. Til U Kai Kit and Tol Tomahas and three others were surrendered. They were tried for the killings, and this is they were they were found guilty, obvi. But this is what interested me in the description. It doesn't go into great detail. There was some detail about there being eyewitness testimony from people that were not actually eyewitnesses to the massacre. So there was some controversy there. Typical eighteen hundreds. Right. But what I thought was interesting is the all of the accounts that I read pointed out that it was a lengthy trial. Huh. So there actually was some weighing of the evidence. Yes. They didn't just say, hey, you're brown, we're white, we win. They actually, like, listened to their accounts. What's interesting about this story is a lot of it actually is, like, the tables are flipped. Because in so many cases, it was like the whites just did the massacre, you know? Right. And in this story, it was the other way around. I remember hearing this in school in that it was like one of the only massacres where the the natives massacred the whites. Or not one of the only, but one of the more prominent yes. ones. Um, and then this is how dense I am. So I'm in Walla Walla and I've visited Walla Walla multiple times and this is kind of giving away the ending but my family that lives there at one point had actually worked at Whitman College and you know I'm a history major and I'm interested in Native American history and I'd heard about the Whitman massacre and I knew it took place in the Oregon Territory but I never put two and two together that the Whitman, Whitman Massacre. College, Whitman Massacre. <laughs> oh, that's place. in the same place. <laughs> yeah, it, it was until I actually went there that I went, oh, though. So they're found guilty and they're sentenced to hanging. They were, ha they were hung on June 3rd, 1850. The site was made a nat national historical site. It's There's a mass grave for all of the victims of the massacre. It's really interesting to visit i enjoyed visiting there and i enjoyed walking along the oregon trail and i enjoyed looking at the the site i mean they have the place where she drowned they the baby they have the place marked where each person died they have it's it's fascinating as far as this story it's very well researched it's very well documented and it's very well done in a historical site. They don't try to do the, they don't have the pretend buildings set up. Not that anything's wrong with that, but they don't have the pretend buildings set up where they There's have a time and all a place the hodgepodge stuff yeah. in there. That, this is what it may have looked like. It's simply a the, grass yeah. field with these curbs set out where the to buildings mark, were. Yeah, to mark the boundaries it's, of the buildings. Yeah, it was very um, powerful to be there. But Whitman College, gorgeous campus absolutely you know really neat school private school sorry about your a-hole namesake right um so i would not be opposed if child one or child two wanted to go to whitman i wouldn't want to pay out-of-state tuition so they have to go live with the family up there for a while but that's the whitman massacre which i you know you hear about it in school but just kind of the native americans killed a bunch of missionaries and blah 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 you don't get the detail of She's holding her husband's head together with her hands. And he's still responding to her. And he's still responding to her. No, that's 
that was a really fascinating story. Like, I knew about it, but I didn't know about know it. Know about it, exactly. So I say Washington Cocktail is a hit. I agree. I, like, I wasn't that excited about my topic, like the DC Sniper, because it's just... Like, I just thought it was a list of shootings, but it actually got a little bit more... He had reasoning behind it. Yeah. reasoning is stupid. Which, now that I know that, it makes it a little more full-fledged, like, It still blows me away that he killed all of those people just to cover up the fact that he wanted to kill his wife. And never killed his wife. And never killed his ex-wife. That might be all these in a, is like all these innocent people did, like were shot pumping or died. Friggin' gas for nothing. They're pumping gas before they after they leave work before they go pick up their. Well, kids. it's like I was hearing Crazy. somebody talk about the Golden State Killer and how yeah. people were so scared of it and so vulnerable because they were doing ordinary things like sleeping in their beds. Yeah, and this is the same thing. Like you're doing an ordinary thing, like you're shopping. You're fueling your yeah. vehicle. Or an ordinary thing like answering the door and getting medicine for people who are asking for medicine because you're a doctor. Yeah, I mean, you're most vulnerable, like, you're the most vulnerable when you're comfortable. And you're comfortable doing things that are routine to you. Like, yeah, yeah. So, kind of crazy, crazy stuff. But yeah, no, I liked your story. Like, Thank you. I liked it too. I won't want to hear more but i know you told it all so <laughs> i told it all there's not much else to tell i mean you could no there's really not much else to tell whitman college is cool it's a really pretty campus well i guess that pretty much sums it up kind of we're not experts we are not experts we're just drunks so what if people like this and they want to talk to us they can contact us there's How? a number of ways okay what so you can email us at crimeandtimeotr at gmail.com. And we also would be happy to have your cocktail suggestions. Yes, please send us cocktail ideas. Um, you can talk to us on Facebook at Facebook at Crime and Time on the Rocks. We're on Instagram, too. We're at Crime and Time. And child number one handles our Instagram it's for adorable. the most part. It's so. adorable. Um, and Twitter, we're at Crime and Time. So tweet at us. Or, you know, whatever you do. Whatever you do. Thank you for listening.